Greetings. Welcome to the Optic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Optic's Executive Director of Strategic Intelligence. From 30 years as a military officer to transforming corporate executive protection, event security, and intelligence services teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, intelligence, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protection through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. Today, I'm speaking with Will Plummer, Chief Security Officer for Ray Secure. Will is a 25-year veteran of the U.S. Army, where he earned a Bronze Star with Valor as a Master Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technician. He commanded multiple Special Operations Supports Units and served as a Certified EOD Team Leader and a Master Instructor. Over his military career, he managed thousands of full-spectrum EOD operations and directed VIP security support for the last eight U.S. Presidents. As Ray Secure's Chief Security Officer, he consults with customers to evaluate and strengthen their mail security strategies. He also leads the Ray Secure Professional Services team, providing customers with risk assessments, the formation of best practice security procedures, training, and round-the-clock threat identification and mitigation support. Will Plummer, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you, Chuck. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been a while. We've been trying to get you on the podcast, but you have been very busy uh, of late, correct? Uh, yes, quite a bit of time traveling. Yeah, and I know when I say that, when you know, you, you hear a lot on podcasts, everyone's like, oh, I'm very busy. You're very busy. But for those who listen and follow Will, uh, Will has been very busy, uh, not only in the judicial space, but the, uh, but the legal space and the law enforcement space uh, recently with a lot opening up in the corrections field. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Will? Yeah, absolutely. So the corrections world is having a kind of resurgence of threats that show back up through logistical means. So when uh, COVID hit, everybody stopped their visits in, in prisons and everybody's made the assumption it was coming through family members and, and transfers drugs of mostly in the in that way. But when you shut off the family member visits and the drugs didn't fall off, they come to realize, okay, we have another place. And most of the time it's in legal mail or it's in some logistical way of getting in. But you'll see a lot of drugs come through legal mail because the correctional officers can't open them. And most uh, attorney generals are frown heavily on infringing on prisoners' rights when it comes to their legal defense. You know, well, I've always, you know, I'm a big fan of Race Secure and we've been on many panels and podcasts together. And I'm always fascinated by mail, which is both the center of gravity and a chink in many security organizations' armor because it's something they don't think about. I've heard you often say like, oh, we don't have a problem in the mailroom because we've never experienced anything. Uh, are you? What are you seeing in terms uh, of the industry with people in this idea of convergence within that physical, you know, we often think convergence with cyber and physical, but how, do, how are you seeing that in your space, especially now that you're looking at places like corrections that are going, hey, this is a bigger issue than we thought, and now we need to plug this? It's the same thing with, with corporate. I mean, a big chunk of, of what we had happen for COVID has now reshaped what the office environment looks like. So if you have a hybrid workforce and you have people that come in, say, 
one day a week, two days a week, or even less than that often. You got you know two days a month that are required to be there. When something gets sent into the facility that's got their name on it, it can sit on a desk. Uh, those desks are generally sitting right next to a computer or right next to a server or right next to something that you can access with uh, a simple – it's not expensive. You can Google exactly how to do it, but you can put a, a Raspberry Pi together and a few other things, and then you're picking up all the handshakes, packets, and access for a local network. Um, with that being said, companies do TSCM sweeps for a reason. Uh, very rarely do you ever hear somebody walk through and do a TSCM sweep on something that's just got brought in and sat down. They look at facilities and infrastructure, but uh, if you can bypass all that by simply putting something in that's going to get returned to sender, when that return to sender happens in two weeks because it was either the wrong address or or it was sent in intentionally meant to fail, uh, whatever it went in with and picked up, it's leaving with. And that's a legitimate convergence of physical and cyber threat. Well, physical, yeah, physical cyber with mail strictly in the middle of that. I mean, think about it like you just said, hey, look, we have a closed network, Will. We don't have anything or we're air gapped. And, you know, hey, we sent boxes out to all the employees who were let go because of a riff. We're yep. certainly in a midst of a financial, I don't know if we want to say recession yet. I mean, I'm certainly not a, an economist. Uh, neither are you. But we're in the middle of something uh, in terms of uh, financial financial turbulence. And with uh, people getting let go and with the ability, as you say, to use a Raspberry Pi device or something else, I mean, it makes mail more crucial now. How, you know, how many people come to you and say, hey, Will, we have a problem, go fix it. And what kind of advice do you give to leaders and, and particularly those who aren't familiar with the mail to say, look, here's how you need to start thinking about mail, and not just in terms of, gosh, did you get the letter delivered, but thinking about it as, a, as an entry point of risk. Yeah. So a couple of things come, come up quickly. One is it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Most companies aren't necessarily doing the most effective screening procedures. Um, the people that they put down in the mailroom are not security minded. They're generally not people who are going to look at things with the KGI that we tend to have in the security industry. So making some changes to support them in that environment is good. Uh, how to just a little bit of training, a little bit of making sure that people understand why they're looking for things and what they're looking for. Um, another point that I, I like to add when I talk to people is, look, if you look at uh, mail and you use the words uh, like uh, basically a wind vane or uh, a way to tell the weather of what's coming. When you look at mail weather, thank you. You know, you so you look at like a, a escalation in violence. Somebody gets laid off. Somebody gets has a bad experience, whatever it ends up being. Your company just makes a major change in their political views and they stand up and say, we, we believe A. Um, somebody who believes B disagrees. Uh, they'll send a tweet. Uh, company's not going to respond. They'll send an email. Company firewall is going to block it. Uh, the next step in most people's thought process is I'm going to physically send something into there that's a threat. And then if you keep walking up that, that ladder, uh, who knows where they stop at? But um, we all have seen major events and incidents where at the end of it, somebody sits back and goes, you know what? We might have seen this coming if we'd have paid attention or if we would have put a process in place to, to screen what's coming into our facility and look for threats. Um, not necessarily just I'm going to send a white powder threat to shut you down, but also you know, threats or warning of threats to, to the organization or people inside of it. And that's something you might want to pass out to the rest of the organization. Most you often – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's, I just, it's interesting there. If you think about it, like, hey, we talk about insider threat a lot. You know, we do here at the company, you know, we're working on our own, we're working on our own initi initiatives around it to help, you know, our customers, our clients. You hear it 
bantied around the industry quite a bit. But in terms of like that insider threat and the mail piece that goes around it too, that is pr- probably something many don't think about. Like, hey, look, we just fired Chuck Randolph. Great. Well, he's not a problem. He lives in Colorado. Or is he? Yeah. He has access to the mail. He has, you know, he has access to tech um, or white powder or, or whatever it might be to disrupt, uh, dis- you know, to disrupt the working environment uh, to include maybe the supply chain. Yeah. I, we have our own little metrics that we kind of track here. And this is weird. I mean, it's, it's mail, right? I'm, You've heard me talk. You've heard me say, look, it's just mail. Well, a lot of things show up. The amount of manifestos that we've picked up in our clients in the last, let's say, eight to 10 months, people who are actively making comments towards companies and organizations has gone up. And mm-hmm. what's what's that a key indicator of? People identifying that something or someone that they can yell at in some form or fashion is, uh, is a target. And you just have to expect that there's going to be follow on from that. Well, you know, you bring up a good point, especially if you look like, how do you, how do you meld intelligence, mail and physical security? Uh, let's set cyber away for a minute and just talk about a big risk group to say, Hey, look, what's, you know, let's take uh, earlier this month we had, you know, we have the Roe v. Wade issues that come forward. This is not a political, political statement by myself or Will or, or anyone we represent, but you know, with this, you're going to have a certain amount of the population that's going that's not going to like what's happening. Okay. So with that, like you said earlier, you have a bellwether. Um, I think we were talking earlier today uh, about all the judges who had their personal dresses that popped up on Reddit mm-hmm. after the Roe v. Wade thing came out. Now, you know, if you're a good intelligence analyst, analyst, you're passing that forward. That's part of your protective intelligence package. You're the risk leader in the physical space. Now you have this information. You have to decide what do I do with it? You know, and Oftentimes, I think, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Well, we don't think about adding the mail team or the mail crew or that um, resources and facility team into those conversations about risk because it's probably not something we consider. But I think giving that early warning to someone saying, hey, look, this is coming. Here is our company's stance. Again, it's not our political view, but here's the company's stance. We need to be on the lookout or have a bolo for these following types of issues. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. It's it's really interesting. So I, I've got I go to hundreds of, of mailrooms, and you walk in, and there's a there's a list that's handwritten next to somebody's desk, and it's of all the problem children that they've had to deal with, who've mailed in something horrible, or have said something horrible, or were released or fired, and mm-hmm. have were, were acting out. Um, and unfortunately, oftentimes that list doesn't get out of the mailroom. It doesn't get up to the protective intelligence team or up to the you know the close protection team whoever you're whoever you're you're working with at that particular time uh not because they don't care maybe because the voice of the people that work inside that mailroom isn't heard or they don't have a management set up that's there to support them in in that actual function um, the other thing that we see all the time is people will just throw things away so you'll get a a manifesto or I'll use that term but any one of 50 other things declarations uh actual threats, all sorts of other things that come in and you'll talk to them and they'll be like, yep. So yeah, we got a couple of these in the last four or five months. What'd you do with them? Well, we tossed them. You might want to get a report generated on those because they could be tied to something else. And people tend to think of these events as a one-off, like, oh, it happened. I'll just get rid of it. I mean, we all live with our mail. It shows up at the front door every day. But oftentimes when it comes to second and third order effects of one action, those are never processed because it's just just the mail. 
We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of safety, security, and protection, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. That's why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. The center is a trusted resource for those in security, safety, and protection communities. We share strategies and best practices, insights on current and historical trends, and lessons learned through dialogue, discourse, and alternative analysis from some of the industry's top practitioners. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co forward slash center. I've heard you say just the mail so many times. If I had a nickel for that, uh, you know, I, I'd be a rich man. But the reality is it's it's true. It's true. And, you know, Will, I know you're often people think about you in terms of like, oh, Will's the mail security SME or Will's the mail security expert. But if you will for a minute, I also know that you're also a U.S. Army officer. Mm-hmm. You've been a company commander. You've mm-hmm. dealt in the EOD world for some times, and so which means you've dealt within the special operations community. Yep. And as has as am I a military officer as well, and we know that from both of our backgrounds, working in joint uh, or working in a joint environment, which also could be thought of as convergence, is important. Absolutely. Based on what you see, you know, you talk about, hey, look, I walk into this piece of paper that says, here's the people who are mad at the company, so be on the lookout for their mail. And then you see these lack of synchronization. But now pulling back to your your military experience as well and your other experience, what advice and how do you see, how do, how are people failing to do coordinated, you know, strategic activity and what is your advice to get right or to get on the right track, if you will, if that if that makes sense? No, that makes total sense. So uh, let's go back to the joint environment. We'll try not to get too military-esque about it. But no team ever fights the whole thing alone. I mean, the Air Force has to move the Army to get to the Middle East, or the Navy's got to move your stuff to get to the Middle East. You, you can't just you know show up and go, hey, I'm here. So in a joint environment, it, there's cohesive teams, there's working groups, there's a in, in multitude of other acronyms, whatever you want to call them, uh, I would say try to try to mirror what what works when it comes to multi-unit or multi-organizational teams. So one is actually having a meeting, actually having a face-to-face. Emails are very easy to ignore, put aside, or put in a folder, but uh, putting somebody in front of you or in uh, the other side of your desk and having a one once-over conversation, that's, that's a really good way of getting after it. Uh, one of the other things that we we see regularly when it comes to how to be successful is enabling the individuals that are going to be the ones seeing the threat to begin with. Uh, you, you can have all the data in the world. If it's not run through an intelligence metric or run through some form of communication effort, uh, it's not going to go anywhere. And um, that happens all the time where people just go, oh, I'm just stuck here in the mailroom. Well, you know, that's a great point. I remember uh, Dick Lake, who was former two-star in the Marine Corps, but also the former chief security officer for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, once said, look, big data is the analyst problem. And I think the more you consider that, the more profound it becomes, because you're right. We're at a, we're at a point now where through algorithms or whatnot, we're fed information. We're fighting to make sure that we're critically thinking and almost inundated to the point of numbness of if if you're an analyst of of risk 
um, of risk signals or risk telemetry that's coming in. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something to be said to say, hey, look, we have to set up and we have to have a system by which we can log and track these things. Because something I see uh, maybe back at the beginning of June 2022 may not come around again, but it may come back in October or may come back in the following year. And I'm going to need to be able to pull back all the threads I can so that we can have a better understanding and you know understand what do I know, what am I doing, and who have I told? Well said. Thousand percent agree. But how do you, you know, when you when you've ran meetings like that in the past, and I know when you go and you go to a lot of mail facilities now, and people inevitably ask you, "Hey, what should we do?" And I think it's great to just say, "Look, just start meeting." You know, what does a meeting like that in in your mind look like, Will? Uh, honestly, I would start with the people. Let me let me give you a quick analogy. So I worked in the skiff for a while on an analytic control element. What's a, what's a skiff? Secret room. And they, uh, I spent nine months in a room with no windows with a bunch of people whose job was to figure out all that big data you're talking about, right? So we're figuring out what time of day all these things are going to happen by historical analysis of events. Um, the reality is all those assessments that the three-star generals are reading start at a very low rank. There's an E3, E4, somebody who's a year and a half in the military writing that assessment that works its way all the way up. Uh, so I would mirror uh, exactly – how that works. The, I would start with the individuals that are seeing the threats. Uh, I would start with them and make sure that A, they're trained and they know what's going on and then work your way up as the decisions get bigger and everybody uh, gets more responsibility. Yep. There's more information that gets collated to make that happen, but it really does start with the people with their hands on it. I've talked to a bunch of CSOs turn around and they will literally tell you, I don't have a mail problem. And then they will tell you three or four incidents that have happened and they say, yeah, but I don't have a mail problem. Well, that's just one vertical of information that could be going could be going forward. Uh, I'll lay you a bet if they went and talked the second and third shifts, because oftentimes there are multiple shifts doing this stuff, that those numbers would get bigger, and those events would would stack up on top of each other to where eventually maybe they might say they actually have a mail problem. Yeah, that that's actually that's a astute observation because neither leadership risk leadership or risk occurs between the hours of nine and five. It really doesn't care. And it's going to do the George Foreman. And as soon as you have your plan, it's going to punch you in the face and say, nope, I want to go this direction. Um, I, I love that idea of like, look, you know, let's just pull all of the folks in the organization that represent risk, either consuming, analyzing, or bring it in. Because I, I think if you go into your organizations, whether it's public or private, uh, whether it's .le.org or .com, you can find these folks that, look, I'm managing risk. Maybe it's marketing risk. Maybe it's aligned to the 10K or something. But at the end of the day, bringing all the cyber, physical, all those things, bring it in into a room and just merely saying, hey, Will, what are you seeing and what are you concerned about? And then going around the room and saying, hey, Chuck, what are you seeing? What are you concerned about? And then having each group you know, at a regular basis talk about the, what their requirements are. And I think mail, again, you know, goes, sits right in the middle of that as a bellwether, like we mentioned earlier, to say, hey, we are seeing that or we're not. So in a lot of ways, it might be a great way to bring those various risk folks in the room and then, con- you know, have a way to confirm or deny, if you will, you know, risk factors or, or ideas around risk. Yeah, that's, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, that's a great idea. So, well, nothing you know, for that. <laughs> what do you see, though? I mean, again, you're out all the time. Literally, you're out all the time. I mean, I think we we saw each other uh, in in mid June 
in LA and you were out visiting uh, penitentiaries and other things. What, what, what other types of things are you seeing out there that you think are interesting or maybe something we've not seen before that people might want to be on the lookout for? Uh, this sounds really weird for probably most corporate security folks, but there's a whole lot of drugs going through corporate mailrooms right now. Uh, really? Why is that? Or why is that you think? Well, but first off, you know, again, we'll go back to COVID. Drug dealers don't stand on the corners anymore. They've got a whole new process. Um, if you spent two, three years with your spouse and they didn't know you had a drug problem, they sure know it now. And they're going to pay attention to what shows up at the house. So a lot of folks are literally having it shipped to the office. And then with that, there's an increase in inter-office mail where people are shipping drugs from one of their facilities to the other where somebody on the other side receives it and then does whatever they're going to do with it. So pre-COVID, we'd probably have one discussion a year with a company saying, yep, we found drugs here or we did this there. Now we've got talking to them and there's six or eight events where now we have to have a policy. We can't just throw it away. What are we going to do? You know, if you've got a 2,000 employee facility, somebody's got a problem. And um, nobody, and it, I'm not trying to, to say anything that hopefully everybody knows this, nobody screens your mail, actually. It gets delivered. So if you don't live inside the Beltway where they irradiate it because the anthrax threats at 2000, 2001, um, there's nobody that's sitting there doing any, anything that's going to keep a threat from showing up on your front door. It's just going to get delivered. That's where the onus lies is the addressee. So with that being said, you know, what do companies do when they start handling personal mail and when they start handling you know, boxes and we allow porch pirates you know, to prevent porch pirates from dealing with your stuff when you're not there because you're working really hard for the company? We let all your personal stuff show up here in the office. How do you handle hazardous items or how do you handle the possibility of um, somebody doing something illegal or illicit? There was a huge increase in weapons that were bought from certain websites that you can that come out of China where people are buying silencers, they're buying extra magazine parts, they're buying conversion kits for weapons, and they're having it delivered to the office. And what's a company do with that? Uh, that obviously is a company policy you have to pay attention to, but it's a problem that you have to be aware of first. And a lot of folks aren't necessarily aware of it until it becomes something they have to deal with. That's interesting, just especially from a governance aspect, which is something, you know, we don't often think about, but the governance of, of the mail, you know, and, you know, maybe there's the idea that it's screened somewhere. So it's not going to be a problem here. We just need to scan it and then send it. But, you know, that's certainly something to look at, it, even in terms of your own policies and procedures. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, companies generally, like, they're almost, they're doing the right things for their for their their employees. Why do you allow Amazon to show up at the office? Because you care about your employee and because right. you want to make sure their stuff isn't stolen. And the happier they are, the more effective they are working for you. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, that niceness sometimes uh, will cause problems for the organization. Well, look, the media, the, anything that's done for the good of mankind, if you will, risk is going to show up and try to figure out how to, you know, how can I abscond it for myself? Absolutely. I mean, that's just the kind of the way things are. What other things are you seeing? It's interesting to see how quick stuff shows up to C-suite uh, homes and even their second and third homes. There's nothing out there that can't be found. And like I said, uh, I think it was Reddit over the weekend. Every uh, justice from the Supreme Court, their personal home addresses were leaked. And within two hours, it had 10,000 people making comments on it. And it's, it was the Beltway homes. It wasn't their, their full-blown ones. But um, that's the world. 
and you're you're at, you're hundred you're hundred percent right there too because now we're at a we're at a point where it, you know if you think about executive protection alone, which a lot of folks you know if you're a leader or you're an intelligence practitioner, you're supporting or managing that function. You know now you have you have to consider the cyber. You have to consider digital protection in that as well because you're right. Anything can be found, and the minute you think, hey, look, I found Will's home address. Um, it's XXXXX. Great. I scrubbed it. It's going to show back up four or five months later. They're always out there. They're always living. There's always a way to find them. Yeah. And if you, if you look at the intelligence function, I mean, I, I personally enjoy it. it. That's something that I think is, it doesn't get enough attention when it comes to physical security, when it comes to what you're doing for whatever your company organization is. But the intelligence side of the house always seems to be kind of the tail. It it shows up and they say, yeah, well, we, we think this might happen. And everybody goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I need more guns, more guards, more cameras. I need all this other stuff. And the a lot can be gleaned from information that would make that front end a heck of a lot better. And unfortunately, I don't think enough organizations use the intelligence functions as well as they could. Well, I think it boils down to just an observation of my own. A lot of times it's this idea of like understanding requirements. I, I'm an intelligence analyst for a company. Maybe I came from a .le or a .gov mm-hmm. space where requirements were given to me. You know, we'll go look for these things. But now I'm here in a corporation. I maybe don't know what I'm looking for. So I'm kind of surfing around, kind of thinking what I'm doing. And I end up kind of being half threat assessment, half BBC um, half, you know, forecaster of, of pain, if you will. So I think a lot of it goes back to security leaders who can come in and say, Hey, look, let's pull and find out what's important. Not that traditional, like what keeps you up at night will, but what's important to the company to monitor and then getting deep in those. And then going back and asking those questions, where are we with this, you know, uh, with this particular requirement? Yeah. And then that goes back to that joint group, whatever you want to call it, um, effort. That's where everybody should get a voice. That was the other thing I was going to add to that is you start talking about the the people in the lowest level of whatever security function you're doing all the way up to I'm going to make the decision at the CSO level. Um, everybody needs to have a voice. And some of them need to be louder than others, but they all need to be heard at some point. And I don't think enough people's voice gets listened to when you talk about protective intelligence. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Will you are always good about keeping folks informed as to what's happening in the mail, which again, I believe is a bellwether and a bleed over from many other things. Uh, can you, you know, can, how do folks, you know, can you tell, tell us a little bit about the things that you put out the monthly mail and then you have your own uh, mail risk report. Can you kind of tell us about those? So uh, much like the Start Database Center, which has tracked open source terrorism events since 1970, uh, if you have ever looked at it, it's, it deals with things like, you know, country A that's never going to self-report. A reporter, hopefully, is going to get in there and get something out of there. We do the same thing with, with mail and what happens throughout the United States and internationally now is we open source screen what happens every single day. And monthly, we generate a report that breaks down the important events, gives a threat assessment on local, historical, or local, international, and then kind of an overview for both. So if you just have a two-minute read, you can start at the top. And if you really are a male person, you can go all the way down to the bottom and read everything about it. Um, we also do an annual report that rolls all that up and talks about some bigger you know, projections of what we see is going to happen. Uh, that's where the war shipping thing came from this year. That started in 2019 as a as a Skunk Works project and turned into, yeah, this is legitimate. And now you can find people showing you exactly how to do it on the internet and exactly how to 
what to buy from Amazon and what YouTube videos to download. Um, that basically is an area where there's a lot going on and you don't realize it until you, um, until you slow down and kind of focus in on it. Well, most 99% of the people in the world don't have the ability to put as much effort into to that particular area as, as we do. So we do it, try to boil it down to where it's nice and simple. A security leader can read this thing, you know, 20 minutes a month and know, Hey, this changed from last month. This is what threats are looking like now and move on with their time, but put that arrow in their quiver for when they need it. When somebody asks them a question about it. Yeah. And if nothing else, like you said, it's a great way to have conversations with those folks in the, in, in the mail side who may or may not have connections to security to say, this is what I'm seeing. Can we talk about it or what, or, or how can I help you with this or what resources do you need? Cause often they're the less of the less of the resources. Right. And then you guys do your, your regular state, state of mail security, which I think is a fascinating read. Yeah. It, it, it's fun to put together. Um, you'd be surprised at, I was really surprised after the first year of who wrote emails back saying, hey, thanks. This is actually helpful. I mean, some some of the biggest companies in the world saying thank you for telling us something we hadn't looked at before. And that's kind of goes to maybe not enough, you know, enough effort gets put into it or enough understanding. But when you have Fortune five or ten companies turning around and saying, We didn't know this, wow. Um it, it's useful, you know, and same. It's like with with Ontic, which you which you folks put out. It's fantastic. It helps out when people don't necessarily have it for themselves. And there are great bookends. I mean, if you take the state of PI and you take the the state of mail security, you take both of those and read them. They they are really uh, they really really do complement each other and give a really good picture of what the what the kind of risk landscape is. Well, I know we're coming up on time. I want to be cognizant of yours and I'm always appreciative of any time I can get with you because you, you are super busy. But quick final like rapid round question for you. Leadership. What three things do you say makes a good security leader? Well if there's a whole army answer I almost gave you real quick. But uh <laughs> a, somebody who actually understands the threat at all levels. Um one of those comments you hear when you say I don't have a mail threat you probably don't know your organization as well as you think you do. You might want to go take a look, um, push away from the desk a couple times a week and just walk around and go see what's going on. Uh, two, somebody who pays very close attention to what their organization looks like from the outside. If you take your badge off, throw it on your desk, walk out the front door, lock it, and then look at it from somebody who would be interacting with your organization or with your C-suite leadership or whoever has the voice of the public, um, reassess that regularly because – you know, we can talk about the recent events in, in the news, but if you if you lay on one side of that line or the other, the rest of the people on the other side are, are looking at you, probably angrily. And then the third, just be honest. I mean, that comes down to honesty and integrity. It, it's it's not just a catchword or a mantra. It's like drives everything that you do. If people know that when you stand up and say, "Hey, this is a problem," and you haven't tried to you know, gaslight them before you haven't tried to get extra funding because you think you might need something for this or for that. If you are that person, it carries a lot of weight when you really need help. I love it. Management by walking around, know the environment that you're in and how you identify into it, not just internally, but externally. And then lastly, lead with integrity. I mean, that um, amazing answers from, uh, from an excellent practitioner. Will, how do people find you? How do people follow you? 
regularly through email, uh, will at racesecure.com. It's spelled funny, R-A-Y-S-E-C-U-R. And um, normal LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. You'll see me on podcasts all the time, apparently. I'm getting <laughs> hanging out with Chuck. Uh, indeed. I'm only hanging out with you, my friend. Um, I w- Will, I, again, I want to thank you for coming on to the Ontic Center of Protective Intelligence podcast. It's It's been a great discussion. And often, you know, again, we hear you talk about male security, but I love to listen to your ideas and thoughts about being a leader in security and, and that expertise you have as well. And I'd like to thank you for your service uh, and thank you for your service to the risk community as well. Thank you very much, Chuck. It's always great to have any time with you. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co forward slash center. Again, ontic.co forward slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music track is called Monteverde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co forward slash center for more information. Thank you for listening.